You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting for WFHB, this is Cade Young. And I'm Lucinda Larnock. This is the WFHB Local News 4, Thursday, July 28th, 2022. In today's feature report, WFHB Assistant News Director Noel Herhusky Schneider spoke with board member of the Indiana Forest Alliance, Laura Kemp, about a timber sale at the Owen Putnam State Forest and what can be done about it. More in the bottom half of our program. Also coming up in the next half hour, Indiana Senate Republicans move forward with a bill that could ban nearly all abortions in the state. That's coming up next in your State House Roundup. Indiana lawmakers are moving forward with a bill that would ban almost all abortions in the state. On Tuesday, the Indiana Senate Rules and Legislative Procedure Committee voted 7 to 5 on Senate Bill 1, which would ban abortions except for rape, incest, and where the mother's life is in danger. The bill passed out of committee after over 50 people gave testimony in opposition to the bill. Vice President Kamala Harris traveled to Indianapolis on Monday to meet with lawmakers about the bill. Here's what Vice President Harris had to say. But what we know is that this issue of access to reproductive care and a woman's right to make decisions about her body relate to other risks that have been posed by the Dobbs decision. We are looking at an interpretation of the Constitution that suggests Clarence Thomas said the quiet part out loud, (laughs) that this puts at risk an individual's right to make decisions about contraception, puts at risk the right to marry the person you love. So when we discuss this issue and when we contemplate what it means, understand that it could have a profound impact on just about everyone in our country who has any association or interest or concern about these various issues. So for all of those reasons, what these leaders at this table are doing right now to stand in defense of the women of this state is by extension to stand for the rights of women throughout our country. The president and I take seriously our work that is about protecting the health, the safety, and the well-being of the women of America, and that includes the women of Indiana. (laughs) 
Demonstrators gathered outside the Indiana State House on Monday to protest Indiana's proposed abortion ban. WFHB News attended the protest outside the State House and spoke with several demonstrators to capture how they feel regarding the state's proposed ban on abortion. Um, I'm here today to just protest for abortion rights. They're deciding on an abortion bill. This is the first date of the session, and I'm just here to fight for it and voice my opinion. I mean, because this is a Republican state, I'm expecting what I think most people are expecting. I'm expecting this bill to pass and that abortion will become not legal anymore, except in those cases. And I think a lot of people are dreading that, but I think it would be foolish of me to assume otherwise. think about like women that have disabilities that cannot carry children you're forcing them to carry their children it's like putting more hardships and I think about like the after of like making them carry children and it's more to it than just having the baby there's no support after it's the mental health that comes after I don't just think about the physical it's the mental health and it's like it, there's no support for that part we can come together on other things. Why can't we come together on a human right? So it's disappointing to see it like this. The bill now moves to the Senate floor where it's expected to pass. Senate Republicans have indicated that they hope to pass the bill by Friday. At the Monroe County Public Library Board of Trustees meeting on July 20th, Director Greer Carson gave his monthly report. So a few highlights to share with everyone. We had nearly 4,000 page views of our recently digitized school yearbook collection, which had recently launched, and nearly 7,000 page views for our staff picks book list, which is up almost 30% from last month. This is most likely due to the popularity of the summer reading program and the recommendations for that. We've seen a steady increase in overall collection use for the third straight month and a continued increase in monthly collection use compared to 2021 month by month. We were very excited to reintroduce the Fix-It Fair after a two-year hiatus and we saw a very good turnout for that. We hosted a number of programs in June celebrating Pride Month as we do every year. Our foundation, the Friends of the Library, held its annual meeting on June 22nd. This was the first in-person meeting they had had since the start of the pandemic. We had a wonderful turnout and an engaging presentation by biographer and MCPL friend Michael Sheldon. Of course, we pride ourselves on connecting with Monroe County teens in as many ways as we can. And there are a number of really cool anecdotes from the ground floor and teen space patrons in the report this month, my favorite being one from our Know Your Glow dance. You may have noticed that the quote was, this was the best night of my life. And I read that and I thought, how often do you hear library patrons and teen patrons in particular say something like that with regard to a library program? Um, this is not in the director's report, but an update on our work with our potential partners at HealthNet. Um, we are working on an updated lease for use of the downtown library space to provide their community health service, and it's nearing completion. So we do expect to bring that back, if not in August, certainly by September, so we can move forward with that partnership. Carson shared that the Southwest Branch construction is on track. Carson said that he meets with the general contractor and the architects at the site every other Thursday to stay informed with the construction process. 
board member Nichelle Whitney-Wash asked if there was any update on the landscaping issue that had been brought up at their last meeting. Carson said it had been resolved. Next, Carson presented the draft of the 2022 compensation study and asked the board to approve the draft. Having discussed the compensation philosophy for the library and strategic goals for making changes to our current plan, this RFP outlines the scope of work expected for this study, which includes a review of the library's structure and current compensation plan, staff feedback on cost of living experiences and related factors informing job satisfaction and employee retention, wage schedule and benefits comparisons with regional, county, and citywide peer employers, and some written recommendations for updating the library's current compensation plan. We have intentionally focused this RFP on the nuts and bolts of the process rather than any specific strategic goals of updating our compensation plan. Those strategic goals and discussions, will, which will ultimately reflect our compensation philosophy and institutional values, will be informed not only by the results of the study, but also by staff, administration, and trustee input over the course of the next several months. Our legal team has reviewed and assisted in preparing the draft, and we're looking to publish this RFP as early as tomorrow with a turnaround date of August 5th and an, an approved vendor contract to bring to you at the August 17th board meeting. Discussions we've had with some of our peer organizations presently conducting similar studies, and that includes public libraries in Indiana, has given us insight into the process, and preliminary discussions with some potential vendors have also confirmed that our goal of completing the study and proposing changes to our compensation plan by the end of this year is indeed realistic. So tonight we seek your approval of the draft RFP for the 2022 compensation study in order to proceed with next steps. The Board of Trustees voted unanimously to approve the draft. The next meeting will be held on August 17th. On July 12th, the Division of Forestry put a timber sale up in the Owen Putnam State Forest. The decision to do so came after many members of the public spoke out in opposition of the timber sale. The Owen Putnam State Forest is in Spencer, Indiana. It is a 10-minute drive down the road from the more commonly known McCormick's Creek State Park. According to the chairperson of Owen Putnam Friends of the Forest and board member of the Indiana Forest Alliance, Laura Kemp, the track of land the timber is for sale on is near the Rattlesnake Campground, which she says is valuable and worth saving. WFHB Assistant News Director Noel Herhusky Schneider spoke with Kemp about the timber sale and what can be done about it. Can you give your name and some of your credentials? My name is Laura Kemp. I live in Owen County, Indiana. And I am the chairperson for the Owen Putnam Friends of the Forest. I'm also on the board of directors of the Indiana Forest Alliance and on the conservation committee. I also work with the Sierra Club, um, and and we've we've uh, we do a lot of outreach with different environmental and organizations, like so the Indiana Forest Alliance, the uh, Hoosier Environmental Council, the Sierra Club. 
and so so I, I work with all those different groups and and I have worked in the past on different environmental issues, but the environmental issue I'm focused on right now are forests and what is happening in the Owen Putnam State Forest. Can you summarize for us what has been going on? So several months ago, the Indiana Division of Forestry went into one of the highest recreation areas in the Owen Putnam State Forest, the Rattlesnake Campground area, and started marking trees for a timber sale right in the Rattlesnake Campground area. Um, The Owen Putnam and all state forests are made up of different compartments. So when I talk about compartment four, this is a huge compartment area that's around Rattlesnake Campgrounds broken down into smaller tracks. So the actual track that is that we're talking about that's at the Rattlesnake Campground area is compartment four, track 12, if that simplifies it any. You've told me before how you found out about it. Can you just give the story of how you realized what was going on? Well, generally what the um, Division of Forestry does is when they have a um, an inventory of the trees, they put up what's called a resource management guide. And the public has a period, a 30-day comment period, where they can comment about any special features in an area, say if there's a particular historical site or a a species of concern, whether it's a plant or an animal. And and so the public has that 30-day comment period um, that way because it is public land, and so they have to offer the public um, that comment period. When it comes to the Rattlesnake Campground um, timber sale, um, they had not had a public comment period in over 12 years. So we didn't even have a recent chance to comment on it, and all of a sudden it was being marked for a timber sale. It wasn't on any of the Division of Forestry's list. They put out a publication called In a Nutshell that they dispersed to all of the local people around the Owen Putnam State Forest. And in in their publication of In a Nutshell itself, it did not have this particular um, compartment for track 12 listed for sale in this fiscal year, the next fiscal year, or the next fiscal year. So, of course, um, us being avid hikers and out there all the time, and all of a sudden it's being marked for a timber sale and it's not on any of the lists or on the radar, we wanted to know what was going on. So so then, of course, we, we inquired um, to the property manager and uh, got some responses from the uh, Division of Forestry's assistant forester about this, that, oh, it's not up for a timber sale now, we're just marking it, and... and um, it actually went on to at least two months of back and forth emails with them, and they kept denying that they were going to sell it. And then all of a sudden, they're like, oh, yeah, we are going to sell it. And we're selling it in the next fiscal year. The next fiscal year started July 1st, and last week, I believe it was perhaps Tuesday of last week, which would have been mm-hmm. July um, yeah, July 12th, they, they put it up for sale and, and this compartment will, will be sold. They have a 30 day time period that it's on their website, that it's for sale. 
and the final sale will be on August 9th. So, so what we have been doing in the past several months is, uh, you know, contacting our legislators, trying to go through all the right channels, contacting other people in the Division of Forestry and the Division of Natural Resources, trying to get them to realize that this area is a special place worth saving because it's not just that it's a hiking trail, it's the horse trail, it's the camping trail. People don't just come to Rattlesnake Campground to sleep on the ground. They come because of the great atmosphere around the campground. And when they come in to do this harvest, it will change the face of the area forever. And what are your biggest concerns about the logging and the timber sale? Uh, my biggest concern is is the animals and the species that live in the forest and the impact that it will have on them because this area has never had a timber harvest since it has been in state uh, in the state's control. Um, and I believe that was in the 1960s when the state purchased that final piece of land that, that makes up that area up there. And so um, when it comes to species like there are a lot of box turtles in the area, so this disruption of a timber harvest is really going to in, uh, disturb that habitat, especially if they come in with a controlled burn Um it, it affects so much, and this is uh, one of the Division of Forestry's plans, is after they come in for the industrial timber harvest, then they will come in for what they call timber stand improvement, where they, um, they burn, and then they'll put chemicals on it. So I, I, one of our biggest concerns is um, we feel like deep woods areas should be free of chemicals and pesticides, we have a lot of birds that are struggling uh, all over the country that are, we're in a flyway pattern here. So those migratory birds that will um, eat on things in the area can be affected and damaged by these, these uh, chemicals that they put, you know, that they put on. And not to mention that this is a, a watershed area. And so anytime you put chemicals in a watershed area, those chemicals are going to go straight into the the water that the people in the area might be drinking, you know, and it's letting those people out there know, cause there's so many people that just think we're anti-logging and we just hate loggers and blah, blah, blah. And mm -hmm. yes, we would prefer that they not log on state land, but we're not anti-logging. <laughs> we like Jeff Marks lives in a log cabin. We all use wood for something or something else. There, there just comes a point where too much is too much and it's become they're taking too much. Can you explain why the DNR is able to manage the forest like this and why they feel like they have to do these timber sales? Um, the Division of Forestry, um, several years ago, the Indiana legislators uh, made the Indiana Division of Forestry an autonomous uh, division where they are uh, responsible for um, the money that goes into their program. So they have, they have to make so much money in order to keep going. Um, and, and with this, they have um, taken away all the oversight for this particular division. Um, it used to be that um, 
in the state forest system, there's 158,000 acres. And it used to be back in, I'm going to say the 1990s, um, when 40% of state forests were set aside for no logging. Um, out of the 158,000 acres, that put 60,000 acres set aside for no logging, for nature, for endangered species, for for the water quality in those particular areas, and and to save those areas for future generations and for recreation. And uh, under the current administration, and it was the previous administration that created this, um, we had a 400% increase in logging in state forests to help keep the Division of Forestry financed. And so over the years, one of the things I will especially say I have seen in the change of uh, the Division of Natural Resources is it used to be they were here to protect our natural resources, and now they are letting our Division of Forestry um, destroy the natural resources in our state because as it currently stands, only 3% of state forests are set aside for no logging. That means out of that 158,000 acres, that only 4,000 acres are set aside for no logging. So the other 155,000 acres of publicly owned land that is your land, that is my land, and that is every citizen in the state of Andy, Indiana owns a piece of this land. It is all of our land, and they are using it like it is their own private tree farm. And anyone that knows anything about forests knows that a forest is an ecosystem. It is a community, not a commodity, that is full of symbiotic relationships of plants and animals and and sometimes, yes, there might be times that having a, a, you know, a timber harvest might improve certain places, but there are also places that don't need touched. So we've lost the balance, the balance between um, the, the balance that had been kept with the, you know, the previous rate of acreage that was set aside to what's now set aside, like I said, it's less than 3%, possibly 4,000 acres that are set aside. So, so that, that's a huge difference. And, and we all know and we all saw during the pandemic how our outdoor spaces here in Indiana just keep getting smaller and smaller. So you would think they want, would want to expand on the recreational opportunities in these areas as well instead of uh, – taking places like the Rattlesnake Campground area, which is the perfect recreation spot, and, 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 and changing it forever. Is there anything anyone listening right now can still do? So I know we've got, by the time this airs, as of right now, there's 20 days until the bid goes through. But by the time this airs, it might be 18 or 19. Um, is there anything in the meantime that people who are listening can do before then? The, the best thing that we all can do is call Governor Holcomb's office and ask them to stop the sale at Rattlesnake Campground on August 9th. Also call Dan Bortner, who is the head of the Division of Natural Resources, who is still the boss of the head of the Division of Forestry. So um, by the time this airs, we will hopefully have had a meeting 
with um, the Division of Natural Resources because we will be presenting our petition to them. As it stands today, um, we have um, 1,570 signatures on our um, petition that is online. So you can still add your name to that because that petition won't be turned over to the Division of Natural Resources until next week. So you still have time to get your name on that. So you can go to the Owen Putnam Friends of the Forest Facebook page and look for the petition and you click underneath the picture to sign the petition and share it to as many people that that really believe that, that there is more to a forest than trees. So just keep sharing and keep signing that petition. We also have around 200 signatures on a hand-signed petition. So ho we're hoping by the time we present this next week, we'll, we'll hopefully be up to around 2,000 signatures. And I think that, um, you know, by getting public awareness and letting people know that Rattlesnake Campgrounds is out there, that letting the our government officials, uh, whether it be a House of Representatives or a senator or the governor or, or Dan Bortner, who is the head of the Division of Natural Resources, getting in contact with these people and let them know that Hoosiers enjoy their outdoor experiences and that nature needs a place to just be nature. For the future, so we're not constantly trying to protect each tract. Is there anything that we can do to try to bring about long-term change so that the Division of Forestry is um, funded by alternative resources so that we don't have to have timber cuts? Is Do you have any ideas about long-term change that we should be advocating for? I think, I think the long-term change that we need to be advocating for should happen at the voting box. I think that's probably our best bet. And with saying that, I will say that some of the legislators that we do have to work with in the state of Indiana have been reasonable and others have not. So I say if you know a person is environmentally friendly, go vote, <laughs> get out there and vote and get those people in office. Um, I mean, we, we're working right now to help um, educate our legislators on what's going on and why things need to be changed. And I will say we have had a few that have been responsive and we had a, have a few we're still waiting to hear back from. Is there anything else that you would like to add? When you said water, that that hydrology that hydrology thermometer kicked up in my head because you know our our water quality in the state of Indiana, we are ranked 50th out of 50 states in water quality. We are the worst of the worst. So forests are first of all forests are climate defense and forests are water defense because a, fo a forest naturally filters and purifies water. So the water running out of those hillsides from the springs and the creeks, um, that's fresh, pure water that has been through that aquifer. So everything horrible has already been filtered out of it. So when you have these places that have clean, pure, fresh water, water is priceless. It's worth more than gold. Ask the people that live out in Nevada right now what they think of the value of water. And so when you have these places that have this wonderful natural water quality, they need to be preserved for the water. You know, it, the water quality alone should be enough. And we didn't even get into the history of this place because Abner's 
Frazier is buried out there, and he was born in 1799, and he died in 1864. So his tombstone is out on a lonely hillside in this forest. And so the Owen Putnam Friends of the Forest believe because of the hydrology, the hydrology, the geology, the ecology, and the history of this area, that it is a high conservation value forest. We turned in our high value conservation forest um, proposal to the Indiana DNR. So that is also in the works as well. So we have been kind of busy. I mean, yes, they put it up for sale, but realize even when they sell this particular compartment, we're not going to stop because there are still several other compartments out there that they haven't logged yet. There are several mm -hmm. that they have logged in the area, but we also suspect there's bats out there. And we just found out from the National Fish and Wildlife Service that there's never been a bat survey done in the Owen Putnam. Support for the WFHB Local News is brought to you by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specialising in solar hot water, solar electricity and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. More information online at mpisolarenergy.com. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. The WFHB Local News is also available as a podcast. Just search our call letters WFHB wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe to never miss another local news program. Stay tuned for Big Talk, a one-on-one -on -one conversation with some of Bloomington's most fascinating people. Coming up next on WFHB. WFHB.